Auto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the podcast that's like that missing 10 millimeter, but you kind of wish you never found it. Somehow you did. And like our supporters on Patreon, you too can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. While you're at it, head over to our Zazzle store and check out our merch there by searching Creative Writing Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else except for TikTok and Ding Dong, because we ain't going to go there, but on Twitter we are. And Tumblr, thanks, bye. Everybody. Welcome to another fabulous episode of the Creative Podcast. I am your host, Junk Meister Flabubigaba, and I'm here to tell you that it's going to be a wonderful day today. Uh, it's it's a balmy, what is it, 59 here in the studio. You know, it was a 75 degree day today, a 78 actually, uh, out in the sun, and I was nice and toasty. Uh, I hope everybody is having great riding weather wherever you're at. Before we even get into this week's show, though, I do have to make a big announcement. And I just want to say happy birthday to my daughter turning 10 years old tomorrow. Oh my God, I feel like such an old, old grumpy geezer. I act like one sometimes too. But I just wanted to say happy birthday. I'm so proud of you. Um, and the person that you've become and the person that you're growing up into. And I hope you have fun tomorrow uh, at your party because it costs mom and dad a mortgage payment. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, have a good day at school. And uh, yeah, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. All right, let's get into the motorcycle show. Please turn it off from here because there might be some naughty stuff on the show. All right, so let's get into this week's show. What do you got? Oh, whoops, I'm supposed to ask, uh, you're supposed to be asking me, what do I got? Well, here's what I got for you. Actually, hang on one second, let me put this thing down real quick. Oh, God, oh, shit. <laughs> I shouldn't have been cleaning a gun and recording a podcast at the same time. I'm so, I'm so dumb. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, it is, it is motorcycling and hunting season here in California, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but yeah, we, I got a good show on tap for you, um, this week. Uh, first things first, I would like to say the, the uh, little disclaimer that the Moto One Podcast Network makes us recite every week. The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of the Creative Writing, Moto One Podcast Network, the Weekly Wiggins Podcast Network, Nokomoto Podcast Network, Tailspin with Tucker Tanner, uh, Wheel Spin with Tucker Tanner, the any of the other affiliate. We're going to have like, there's like 25 new shows that haven't been released yet on Moto One. They're just waiting for the payments to come in. Uh, but yeah, none of those guys are affiliated with anything that's actually said on this show, even if it's one of those people, because that's their opinion, not Moto One's. And that's not exactly what the script says, but it's like the gist of it. But anyways, any opinion is the respective participants and it's not intended to malign anyone or anything even those people who are currently serving time in a California correctional facility on a moped. 
which I don't think they allow mopeds at correctional facilities. So if you're out there, we don't mean to offend you, even if we uh, call you out specifically. All right. So on this week's show, we actually have, we're going to have a word of the week coming up. We got some news and events coming up. Um, I did want to say right off the top of my head, here's a few things that I know, well, this weekend that happened, uh, the Island Classic. And I know last year we were big on mentioning that. And every time there's a race uh, at Phillip Island, we really like to tell you all about it because there's a lot of good stuff going on down there. And this year's Island Classic happened, I think, this last weekend. So as you may know, uh, according to the memes and all the world news agencies, Australia has been on fire. And it's still on fire, I'm pretty sure. If it's anything like California, um, they start... And then the news cycle happens, and two weeks later, and like after all the memes fade, everybody forgets about it. And then six months later, they're actually contained and put out, and they start assessing how much damage it actually did. Um, but as far as I know, there's still some gnarly stuff burning. I have family members over there right now, and of course we have a lot of past Moto friends and a lot of friends we've made through the cast over there. Uh, and so I hope everybody's doing good, uh, regardless of the, the crazy track. <clears throat> tragedy that's happening over there that is, uh, you know, the whole continent burning. Um, but they ma- they managed to pull off uh, the Island Classic race. I think uh, Team Australia won. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, and yeah, I think Team America might have placed second. I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me. Uh, but yeah, we I think we placed at least. I think we podiumed. Um, so that happened. I think there was like a, uh, a works championship that happened in Nevada, like prim or something like that, or some, some deal. And I know road racing, obviously Australia and, and anything in the Southern hemisphere, I guess is summer right now while we're in like the, the middle of winter. Although we'll get to that in a minute too, are we? Um, but yeah, so Right now, uh, there's not a whole lot of like road racing and stuff happening here in the States, but there is in other countries. And right now, we're going hardcore on the dirt, which is really exciting. I got some really good um, dirt news coming up. Here's my dirt, new dirt bike I got. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know. This crummiest sounding dirt bike in the world. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're like hardcore going at it right now. We had Anaheim one and two, we had the Glendale, uh, motocross, um, arena cross, supercross, I think it's supercross. Um, and so, you know, we're hitting the dirt stuff hard right now. There's been GNCC stuff, hair and hound scrambles and, uh, just all sorts of cool outdoor uh, dirt stuff happening right now in the U.S. Now, that brings up something else that we'll get to in one second. Um, if you're, uh, hopefully you enjoyed last week's um, progressive IMS that happened in Cleveland, Ohio. I got to talk with Noble Moto a little bit. Uh, and it sounds like it was a success this year. Um, hopefully next year is a little better. You know, that AIM though, AIM is swooping in on IMS's territory and uh, we had a little conversation about that but yeah i hope that was a lot of fun this weekend is going to be uh ims in um minneapolis i pronounced it right for the first time in my life oh god that felt good um normally i say minneapolis for for whatever reason thank you i don't think i deserve that but it was uh, good on me i bet the people that live there that call it minneapolis get beat up on the daily but anyways yeah this weekend's coming up uh minneapolis oh i almost did it again oh i'm sorry just got it right 
break. Come on, give me, give me a break. Uh, so the Minneapolis uh, Convention, oh, thank you, Convention Center, um, is going to feature some awesome stunt writing. I follow this dude on Instagram, and I love his uh, style and his writing, and his, his, he's funny. You know, he's serious and funny, <laughs> kind of like someone I know. Uh, no, no, no one's looking at me. All right. Well, uh, his name is Kyle Slieger, Slieger, and he's a uh, he's a really brilliant stunt writer. And also Rob Carpenter, who is the Rob, um, Dinah Rob or Rob One Rob Wheelie Rob King Rob, whatever he is on Instagram, um, he does stunts on his Dinah. And so to see one on a sport bike and one on a dyna doing this like crazy dance to get it out there on the stunt show floor is pretty awesome. So if you're going to be in Minneapolis, check that out. Also, February 1st, Ride to the Warehouse going to be happening at House Machines of LA. I have a bunch of friends coming up for that. Hopefully we can hook up, guys. It is my daughter's birthday like all day. You know, unfortunately, your birthday is not just eight hours until you hit like 35. And then guess what, guys? It just... uh. <laughs> It's only five hours long. Um, so anyways, yeah, the, I, if I can make that out to that, I certainly will. I think Girl on a Moto is going to be out there, which is really nice. And um, there's going to be a lot of good, good uh, stuff happening there. A lot of women's moto art is going to be there um, and women's speeches. It's, it's all about the empowerment of women riders. So guess what? Uh, I'm going to grow my hair out and I'm going to shave off this peach fuzz that I call a uh, mustache. And go ahead and sneak in there. They will never know. Um, the One Show is happening February 7th through 9th at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Portland, Oregon, which is weird because the Veterans Memorial Coliseum is also, I believe, where the uh, oh the Veterans Memorial Stadium is where the SoCal Cycle Swap Meet just happened. My buddy from work went there, grabbed a bunch of OEM shit for cheap cheap. I'm going uh, I'm to head down there next month because I got some stuff coming up that I'm going to talk about that I'm going to be working on too. Uh, so yeah, we're going to check that out at the end of February. So it's going to be here before you know it actually. Um, also happening the same weekend as the One Moto Show, which I think Wiggins will be up at the One, as will, I believe, Cleveland Moto, as will uh, Mo- Motorcycles and Misfits. So there's going to be a whole bunch of podcast peeps up in uh, Portland. And from what I know, there's a few, like five Portland podcasts as well. Uh, if you're looking for listening for a good podcast, check out the, uh, Slacker S L A K R and the bend moto podcast or bend adventure, something like that. Bend adventure. That sounds, that's a dirty podcast. Don't check that one out. I think it's called bend, bend riders. Jeez. That's even a worse sounding. <laughs> What's it called? I think it's just called bend motorcycle podcast. <laughs> check that out. But they're obviously from bend. And then as we all know, Jensen Ducati Beeler, Jensen, the Ducati pimp Beeler, uh, has, um, whatever his show is called. It used to be called two enthusiasts. I think it's called Brab talk. Uh, that's up there in Portland. So a lot of good stuff coming out of the Pacific Northwest, not just uh, beanies, beers, and, and uh, expensive coffee. Uh, so February 7th through 9th, also at the D.E. Stevens Convention Center in Chicago, Illinois, is going to be the Progressive IMS uh, Chicago. And I think that's the last one for the year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then February 8th, breast cancer research ride from Biggs Harley-Davidson in San Marcos, uh, I think that's northern San Diego County. Uh, go to BiggsHD.com for more details. I put that in here because uh, I have a family member who is a breast cancer survivor, and I think that stuff is pretty important, especially if you have breasts. Um, 
February 29th, the Veggie Plate Classic is going to be happening out at Paris Speedway on Burton Road in Paris, California. And uh, Mama Tried, March 13th through 15th, is going to be happening at the Eagles Ballroom in Milwaukee, the good land of Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, the good land. Um, so uh, that's all we got on our itinerary so far. We will be filling in dates. Um, there's a ton of more stuff going on, actually. If, you, uh, if you're here in California, go to... Let me think. Instagram, a CA cycle community or something like that, and it, there's a ton of stuff going on here. That's a really, uh, really good page. They have stuff going on all week and uh, on the weekends, and their their feed. It's this is on Instagram, of course. Uh, where else would it be? Pinterest. <laughs> I have a story about that coming up too. Uh, but yeah, I believe that they are here in SoCal, and they have stuff happening all the time. Um, yeah, I'll get that for you at the end of the show. But anyway, I think it's California motorcyclist, uh, or California cycle community, something like that. I, I follow them. I should have them right here, but I don't have them at the top of my feed. Yep. Here it is. Bam. It's California CA motorcycle community with underscores in between each one of those things. Um, and for instance, right on the, right on the front, uh, January 30th, uh, Thirsty Thursday, uh, the Grom Squad is happening, the Inland Empire Grom, Grom Squad. See, so they have stuff going on all week. You just got to check it out. So I'm sure there's something in your area, whatever state, country, municipality, parish, um, territory, uh, what else could there possibly be? Um, province, wherever you're at, I'm sure there's something for you to look up and check out. Let's uh, get into some Moto News and keep moving on with this week's show. Let's have a little stinger here. Oh my God, that's not what I was looking for, but we'll take it. Uh, That's a good enough break. All right, let's get into this week's news. I just have a few, just a couple here. Um, I just wanted to mention things that I've uh, heard recently in the news floating around, but they're kind of... uh, they're kind of impressive, actually. Uh, the first one is um, Pit Pass. I didn't notice this uh, last year. I kind of quit listening to Pit Pass Radio. Um, they're out of KTR KRTX Des Moines. <laughs> I don't know where they're KTNRX RX. Whatever they are in Des Moines, Iowa, there they were broadcasting uh, like every Tuesday night. I want to say, um, and I didn't notice that they kind of went dark. They got sucked up by iHeart and the Evergreen Network, and then I was looking around for them because I go there for my news and interviews sometimes, and I noticed that they are pretty much, as far as I can tell, just a podcast now. Uh, PJ Duran and Tony Wink still host the show, but. It's kind of like when here in L.A., Adam Carolla went off the air when uh, the station he he was after Howard Stern, and uh, you know then it was like okay Stern's going to Sirius XM. What an idiot, right? Getting off the main airwaves. Well, then like Adam Carolla took over forever, and I used to listen to his show in the mornings. All of a sudden, they decide they're going to turn into like spicy QFM or something like that. I don't know what the hell they turned into, but it was like crappy uh, dance music. It was awful. And basically, Corolla is like, well, dude, what am I going to do now? I've been a radio personality now forever, and I'm not going to quit. So he went into podcasting professionally full time. And if you go from uh, being on air and having to have program segments and talked about all sorts of sponsors that are making your network money, right? I mean, eventually it is paying you, but at the same time, making your network money, uh, it's not as fun as being able to have an awesome studio at your house. And if you're Adam Carolla, trust me, 
uh, his studio is pretty awesome. Um, you have all that money and all the uh, equipment and knowledge. You make a you make a podcast, and now he's like a media mogul uh, on his own, right? And that was to me the signal of where radio was going. And more and more and more here in LA specifically, uh, there's a ton of podcasts, as you know, all over. But here in LA, there's a lot more radio stations that are actually kind of like streaming net stations that get broadcast out onto radio as well. And like, I don't know, 80,000 radio stations here that also have podcasts of their shows. I mean, podcasting just seems kind of like the way that the radio shows are going. I remember when um, there was a show that brought Glover and not Bobby Fong, but maybe it was Bobby Fong. I forget who, who used to do it down in San Diego and they were a a radio show. And when they went dark, Oh, it was the guy that's uh, the AMA um, Crothers, I forget his name, Paul Crothers. Yeah. I think Paul Crothers and Brock Glover used to have a, a motocross show and, um, or a motorcycle show down in San Diego. And when that went dark, like, you know, radio stations make cuts, not enough people listening. And so I don't think they ended up going to a podcast, but, uh, long story short, long story, even longer, actually pit pass moto has done the same. They would just rebroadcast the show and, the thing is now they've moved strictly to podcasting. And so it's kind of a, uh, just a shout out to like where radio is going. I think more and more and more radio and TV is actually going to be going to podcasting. So if you're looking for your favorite show, uh, and you can't find it on air anymore, check out the podcasters, uh, the podcast, uh, players and I don't know, just do an online search and see if they've moved to a a network. A lot of people are doing that crap too, like going to Spotify only and Stitcher only, blah, 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 blah. So in some crazy news, the uh, FIM has announced a few changes. Let me scoot this microphone just away a little bit. Doring, doring. There we go. Hope that you didn't hear that. Um, so yeah, they made a couple, they last, oh, I guess at the end of last summer or like uh, mid-summer, they, depending on where you're at, maybe it's winter time where this happened, um, but they made some uh, changes to some of their policies. And one of the biggest changes that I heard that it has like affected, uh, literally just is affecting now, I guess, the uh, Supercross season, which starts like uh, January 1st or something like that. I mean, it's like it kicks off, uh, a lot of the off-road stuff kicks off midwinter actually and goes through um, into spring is um, the WADA, water change, which is the World Anti-Doping Association. And I think what's happened is FIM has decided that WADA takes too long in their in their investigations and their uh, col- sample collections and, and the way they process a cases, period. And so what they're doing is that they switch to the USADA, the U- uh, United States Anti-Doping Association. And um, I think this would have affected... I'm not 100% sure if it had to do anything with the uh, uh, the rules or just the processes like the WADA took too long um, or, you know, what their beef was. Maybe they didn't like the amount, the, the scrutiny. I have no idea. All I know is that they changed um, to the USADA now. And if you think about people like Yanone, who rec- was it Yanone who recently failed? I think it was. Um, some... 
uh, you know, he failed a urine test um, and has been given a four-year ban from motorcycling. Um, the FIM, uh, James Stewart famously also just retired, announced his retirement this last year um, because, you know, he's he's like done. And and his, his career-ending um, situation, I guess you could call it, started with uh, the a doping scandal where, you know, he was uh, apparently on some stuff for, uh, ADHD or something like that, or, or anxiety. I don't know what it was, but it came back as like a banned substance or, or had something in it that was banned. And so uh, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's because the amount of, um, time it took to do appeals and things like that, or like the substances that, that they considered, but their announcement is that, um, the U S ADA will, uh, take over and um, do the testing and sample collection and the FIM will go from there as far as uh, you know what sort of regulations and, and, and the outcomes of these um, sam- the testing basically so the USADA is just going to do the straight up testing FIM is going to determine everything else and I think that's a little bit better they don't maybe WADA I don't know how they work how the how the uh, the banning system worked I don't know if WADA helped make like a rule structure because they test for everything I mean they test across the board like soccer um you know all sorts of stuff for the uh um you know international sports basically um they do all the testing for it so it's pretty uh you know involved as far as as far as uh people's careers and stuff like that go so i don't know if um if they have their own policies as what happens as as part of a punishment. But if it is, maybe the FIM's like, listen, you guys are like killing people's careers and putting people, uh, you know, out of out of work and and teams, you know, and riders are, are ending their careers because of um, these bans and punishments or whatever. I have no idea if that's a hundred percent behind it or if it was just that it was taking too long for riders to appeal and hopefully get back on track or like serve their figure out what their sentence was. I know there was a lot of controversy between the time that somebody tested positive and the time they were still allowed to race until the decision was made. It was like, why don't you just like uh, ban them then for that race and take their points away for that race, the race prior to when they tested um, positive, right? And don't let them race the next one. And it's like WADA would like let it go for, I don't, you know, I'm not 100% sure why, but they announced that that would be changing. And also, uh, same meeting, um, they announced that the FIM uh, EX Bike World Cup um, that took place uh, during the MXGP, um, I think it was last year in Italy, uh, they're going to go forward with this. They're talking, they're making like a, a like an e-bike commission, and we're going to talk about e-bikes in a second. But yeah, there's they're making a, an e-bike commission for this year, um, and I think that they're going to try and figure out e-trials, which I also think they did a little like... Uh, <laughs> pardon the pun, a trial run of last year. Um, E-Trials bikes are awesome, actually, and uh, they're pretty competitive. And so there's a lot of stuff, uh, and I think I might we might mention this in a little bit, um, e-bikes coming on board and having to be in their own classes for a lot of American series, and, and, and uh, I'm not sure globally how that's working, but the FIM is trying to set up like a, an an electric cross bike championship instead of motocross, um, so that there will be like parody and, you know, the coming 
impending future, they're like, hey, listen, we need to make this happen and we need to make this a reality now so that when uh, e-bikes come along in you know the next couple few years, KTM's had one around for a long time and so is Zero, dirt bikes, um, and Alta, you know, stuff like that. Um, when they come on board, we have rules in place and a series in place for them to race. So that was another development that happened there. The WADA one stuck out to me the most because it seems like in the past, WADA has ended some people's careers a little prematurely. Uh, speaking of careers ending prematurely, uh, Valentina Rossi and Yamaha are trying to figure out their contract after 2020. Now, as you know, if you're a big Valet fan, which I used to be, and then I thought Lorenz Thal was going to come in and like wipe, you know, wipe the world over with his ass. It turns out he just busted his spine and uh, <laughs> retired himself uh, last year. So um, I thought Rossi would have retired a while ago. However, he hasn't. He's still fighting for that elusive, uh, is it ninth or 10th? I forget, championship. And um, so basically he signed a contract with Yamaha up until the end of 2020. So in 2021, he will be replaced by... Uh, Fabio Quartararo, and they're trying to figure out um, like how his last season's going to go. Obviously, they say we're going to give him factory support uh, afterwards. He just won't be—he won't be a factory rider. We're not going to re-sign a contract for 2021. Like 2020 is it, right? And so, if he wants to be privateer after that, fine. We'll give him support. He's been a long time uh, part of our squad, you know. And it will feel weird if he's there racing, but not. Um, in the, f- <coughs> pardon me. It'll feel weird if he's there racing and not on our squad bike, you know. But you know, whatever. There's probably a lot of people that will still help him out, and he'll always be a legend, right? But the fact is that he will not be a factory racer come 2021. So is Yamaha forcing his hand? Not really. He's got all the money in the world. He's got his little racing school and programs and all sorts of great stuff to do after he retires. Um, I think he's just honestly doing it because he he really was looking for that win. He hasn't, or the championship rather, and he hasn't even come close uh, within like the last four years or three years. Um, Fabio Quartararo, I must call him Susie Quartararo because that's what they call him on (laughs) uh, Front End Chatter. If you ever listen to that, it's a good podcast. Um, He's going to replace Rossi, becoming Vinales' teammate, whether Rossi continues his career or not. And Quartararo had a pretty impressive rookie season. Uh, He scored six poles, landed on the podium seven times, and five of those were in second place. And in contrast, Rossi had no poles, and he... His best finish finishes was a pair of consecutive seconds. I think one um, in Italy. I forget if it was Mugello and one, and, and then at uh, Coda. So he finished. He did finish second twice, but that's like his best finishes that he's had in, in quite a long time. Um, he hasn't actually won a race since either like 2016 or 17. Um, so it's been a few years since he's been uh, even scored a a W there. So I think he might call it this year uh, at the end of this uh, season. Do what George Lorenzo did, which is uh, become a test rider because Jorge is actually a test rider now, um, now that his spine is fused back together. I think if they fused the upper part of his spine where it connects to your skull, I think they fused it to his uh, Achilles tendon um, in his right leg. So that's kind of a weird position uh, to be in. But yeah, I think 
Casey Stoner, if he still test rides, I don't know if he does or not. But uh, yeah, I'm sure Vale will will be a, a test rider. So um, see you later, buddy. Uh, electric. KTMs. Uh, I heard a lot of yapping about KTM and their electric dirt bikes uh, and they and, and the electric classes in general. Now, I know somebody had asked us a couple weeks ago or somebody has asked us through word of the week, hey, I want my word to be electric. Um, I want uh, to basically uh, know a little bit more about electrics. And when we did the fuel tank part of the moto scan, I talked about, Hey, what's in a fuel tank. Cause I'm not electric bike. It's nothing. It's where the charger goes. And most of the like battery management stuff, we didn't really talk about electric bikes though. And I really want to delve into this soon because uh, a couple years ago when we were talking about it, we were <laughs> at the tip of the spear right now. I feel like we're like, uh, we're, we've been passed through and we're getting, you know, there's a big gaping hole that we need to fill where the spear has gone through because electrics are, have, have been here since like 2007. Uh, so well over a decade and now they're so big that the Peterson, you know, had a show last year about them. Everybody's talking about every time an electric things announced, you know, especially with Harley and zero and lightning and energica. And then, wow, Yamaha announced one, Kawasaki announced one, Honda announced one. This is all a couple years ago and they've quietly like been thrown in the broom closet, but I guarantee you that they're still working on them. Partially because, um, I just saw a car ad for Audi today. Uh, Europe has said about five years ago uh, in 2016, I actually wrote an article for creative on creative dash writing.com about it, that they're going all electric, like by the end of the decade. And then India followed suit and China has followed suit. And from what I have heard, um, that apparently in China, they said when Trump got elected in 2016 and started rolling back, uh, like air quality standards or just EPA regulations in general, China was like, we're going to become the most, uh, you know, the cleanest, go from one of the dirtiest countries to the cleanest. And apparently this, I don't know if this is true. This is totally unfounded. Um, and I haven't researched it, but I know that there are a lot of electric vehicles available in China already. And that they were just like going crazy with production uh, a couple of years ago when I last checked. But somebody said that, uh, in China, they have a friend over there apparently, and all petrol vehicles are illegal, which would make sense why they ramped up so quickly, which makes you wonder like if lead time on a bike is like five years, you know, the bikes that you're seeing now started five years ago, um, which is why none of them look futuristic and change, change very much, um, from what you would expect a bike. Oh, in five years, we'll have a flying bike. No, because they started making it five years ago. Uh, guess what? You know, it's going to pretty much look like, like technology from five years ago slapped onto something you might like today. Um, so I don't know how long this electric revolution has been going on in China, but apparently uh, there's a lot of electric stuff over there. And um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about electric bikes. And I think if you listen to Nokomoto on Monday, you will hear a little bit about electric fraud as well. Um, and then also I'm listening to a fabulous podcast right now called um, – uh, it's by Wondery, the same people that do Business Wars, which I really like. It's called American Scandal. And uh, the episode I'm listening to is the Volkswagen Dieselgate uh, episode, which uh, in inevitably or, or consequently led to um, 
kind of like the Electrify America movement that we're seeing right now. And Electrify America has partnered with Harley Davidson. Um, they're partnering with a lot of other OEM manufacturers that are on board with this. And and it was brought on by uh, the Volkswagen Audi group for, for Dieselgate, part of the... Uh, fine you know there's massive fines against these uh you know against the co- the company in general um but also like part of the reparations just like when harley was selling super tuners and then they had to go plant like an orchard an apple orchard like in the neighboring state or something like that or two counties over in dekalb uh volkswagen had to um or agreed to invest in okay let's do it then we're gonna get away <laughs> Get away from petrol altogether because it's caused us nothing but heartache these last few years, especially when we tried to kind of get away with making something that wasn't um, – what's the word they uh, – well, kind in the in the show, they're kind of saying it wasn't feasible to try and do. But they it was, it was a dream that they wanted to realize, but basically it wasn't mechanically possible to do. So electric is. So guess what? As part of Dieselgate, um, they are making uh, electric infrastructure all over Europe, and now they've come to America, and they're doing it all over America, and Electrify America is part of that. And as such, uh, you can only imagine that if Europe is going electric, and China already has, and India is like planning on it, then guess who is probably going to be next? You know, I'm surprised we haven't tried to lead this, especially with California being kind of cuckoo and crazy, um, you know, hasn't convinced other states. There's a, there's a plenty of other states that um, conf- use the California uh, Air CARB, California Air Resources Board standards as their state standards, even though they're not required to by federal law. And so I'm surprised California hasn't been like, yeah, we're going all electric, man. I think, you know, even California is not that crazy. Uh, But the thing is, electric is coming. There's a lot of people talking about it. um, And we're going to get into that uh, on Nokomoto. So listen to that. And it kind of segues into some of the news from last week, which was uh, we headed out to the Super 73 launch. And I want to talk about that in a sec. But the last thing I want to talk about, you heard me yapping about how how the dirt season is shaping up here, uh, specifically in the southwest. I don't know what's going on on the east coast right now, but I assume a lot of people are doing just motocross and all that great stuff um, where they can. So some exciting news, uh, about a decade ago, actually exactly a decade ago, um, this kind of ties in with my, my daughter's 10th birthday too. She was just a baby when this happened. Um, yeah, was she born yet? Yeah, I guess she was. She was born already. She was, uh, like nine months old, um, or 10 months old, but the, I went to the Catalina Grand Prix in 2010 and, uh, this is super amazing, super exciting. It was so cool um, to watch all the vintage bikes. Now, Catalina Grand Prix to me and the Lake Elsinore Grand Prix, historic, uh, just historic races. uh, It's sad that the Catalina Grand Prix ended. It was kind of like the Isle of Man here in California. You literally go over to Catalina Island, which is one of the Channel Islands, um, and you race around. And they used to race through the town sort of like they did at the Elsinore GP back in the day, and sort of like Isle of Man, where you race, you're racing on roads and you're racing through the city. 
on, you know, city streets, but the Catalina Grand Prix was like on old scramblers, what you would call scramblers, Triumphs, BSAs, Harley Davidsons, um, probably Matchless, AJS, all this, all this crazy stuff. Cause it took place way back in the fifties. I want to say late fifties, like 56 through 58, maybe if, if, uh, if I can remember correctly. And then it disappeared for whatever reason and didn't make a return until 2010. Like, uh, almost a hundred years later, is my math right on that? I think it is. Um, and now they're bringing it back 10 years later again. They didn't have it. I thought, oh, this is so cool. They're bringing the GP back. This is a, a no brainer for the Island. Um, there's a lot of tourism and travel and eco tourism. This is, this is where it kind of like hurts the island there the island kind of depends on ecotourism and quiet and stillness and being pristine because the catalina islands also if you uh heard me rant on uh during spooky spokes about the tongva people that used to um inhabit um southern california and if you've ever read redden redden if you've ever read in the booking um island of the blue dolphins this is like all the Channel Islands that are right off, you know, California here. And so they are kind of pristine. Um, and they, they, they try to keep them that way. And Catalina doesn't have, doesn't allow gasoline vehicles. Very, you can actually have, there's a ton of electric vehicles over there. And, uh, I think you can, there's a lot of mini Coopers, original mini Coopers and the little tiny Mitsubishi, um, vans and cars that were like little K cars from the seventies and eighties, um, from Japan, like little tiny micro cars. You don't see a whole lot of full size cars, but you do see a lot of electrics and a lot of little cars because they're on a, a little Island and there's no way to sustain uh, a population like that and have big ass SUVs and, and, you know, ship gasoline over there. So they just say, Hey, listen, there's like, there's probably one gas station that's down by the port. So if you do have a gas vehicle, you can pay, you know, $6 a gallon for gas. Cause we have to ship it over here. It's like a half hour ride from long beach on the ferry over there. Um, and so, yeah, like it's not like convenient to have, um, gas on the Island. So long story short, I keep saying that I'm making this long story longer. The irony of having like a thousand motorcycles over there, just <laughs> you have to ship the bikes over. And then and I forget how they did it uh, the first time, but my friend Carrie, she raced over there. And so we went over there to see her race and it was so fun. I think she was on her vintage um, Suzuki and now her and her, you've heard me talk about them, her and her, her and her boyfriend race um, vintage stuff with uh, Brady Walker at the classic track days. And so they also raced vintage motocross. And I was like, are you guys, did you guys hear that the Catalina Grand Prix is going to be returning for 2020? And she was like, hell's Yes. And I think she's pumped to go and they're going to, they're going to get out their, uh, dirt bikes and start practicing ASAP. Um, Travis Pastrana was there. There was like a pro class last time I was there. And I don't remember anybody, but Travis Pastrana, cause he was doing like heel clickers, uh, over the finish line. But I got to tell you, it was pretty epic. And, um, the, there's a ferry ride over there and accommodations are not cheap, especially when the population of the Island basically doubled for about four four to five days, um, parties going off left and right. Um, they've done moto events there since I think, but they're very, um, 
they're kind of like quiet events. They're not really like spectator friendly. It is on an island and there are people are just racing through the hills around the island. Uh, but the course for the 2010 was pretty rad. And watching the vintage bikes tackle the same course that the modern bikes are doing was pretty epic. Uh, me and my friends got dirt thrown in our faces. Uh, the starting line was up a hill similar to Glen Helen and like around a curve similar to Glen Helen. So to see all these bikes just charging up the hill toward you full speed, like pinned and then hook a quick righty down into the, and then start disappearing into the bushes and stuff. And the islands very, um, everything over here in California is very, um, hilly because we are like right on the edge of the like Pacific plate for the, you know, plate tectonics plate, the Pacific crust, whatever you want to call it. I think those are all pizza places, by the way, that I'm naming, but we are on the edge of the, um, uh, you know, the, the magma plates there. <laughs> God damn it. Just shut up and t- let me tell you about it. So it's very hilly and, um, a lot of wrinkles due to the, uh, plates, the earth's plates smashing together. And so it was kind of nuts watching some of these vintage bikes go up and down the hills. And it got to the point where the really, really old bikes couldn't even make it up this, uh, this hill climb. They were getting stuck. You go down and it was a, equidistant, um, drop and climb. So I think it was like, God, it it had to be like a hundred yards down and a very, like only like a five or 10 yard run and then just straight uphill for like a hundred yards. And it was so steep that they had to reroute the track because a lot of the older guys on older bikes couldn't make it up not the bike nor the guy. And when, when they had like a pile of like 50 and 60 year old people down at the bottom of the hill on their 50 and 60 year old bikes, they were like, listen, we got to do something. So the mid race, I don't even think they stopped the flagging. I think they waited for a, a large enough gap to happen. And then they rerouted the course and what was the, the path for pedestrians now became the race course. And they guided the pedestrians down, um, where the bikes were coming down the huge hill and this hill turned, we were laughing. I was like, Oh man, look at these guys like eating it. Cause some guys would just bomb up it and make it. And other guys would just be like flipping and rolling down the hill. You're like, dude, that, that dude's like 65, 70, like that, that can't be healthy for his spine. Thing is when I, we had to walk down that now that's how the pedestrians get down. That thing was so steep. You couldn't walk down it. My, I, I was walking And it's at such an angle that standing straight up, my feet were digging in, my heels were digging into the dirt and I could reach my hand back and touch the ground, uh, without having to lay down. Like I could do a push up almost standing up. And that's when I realized how steep this hill was. And it's no joke that these old, like, you know, one twenty fives and two fifties from like 1943 and 1951 and all this crap couldn't make it up the hill. Right. So it's an epic track. It's an epic race. And just like, um, the Elsinore GP, they, you know, the Elsinore GP just for the last couple of years started racing through the city again, like they did back in on any Sunday. Um, I, I hope Catalina does something similar to the same. I have to give uh, mad props to all the people putting this on and making this happen because it's been 10 years and it's not like somebody didn't sit back and think about it. I mean, it, logistically, it's a nightmare probably to get all the bikes over there, um, figure out like some sort of uh, like park ferme, figure out the gas situation because that was another thing. You had to get your bike over there 
Um, and you had to have it there like three days before the race because they had to put up all these bikes and shipping containers and ship them over there on a barge. Um, and then you had to take a ferry over there and, and stay the night. And then all the spectators had to take ferries over too. It was incredible. And um, yeah, it was it, logistically... It was crazy, but at the same time, the amount of money that the island made in it was in December, uh, I believe, because it was kind of chilly and um, foggy when we when we were there when the races were going on. I think it might have even sprinkled a little bit, and that's a total off season for Catalina. So I'm super stoked to hear the Catalina Grand Prix is going to be coming back. They said it's pretty uh, pretty set, um, and so it sounds like it's going to be coming back. If you want to go. Let me know. I think they say it might be happening in November. I will obviously keep you posted because I plan on going again, especially if my friend Carrie is going to race. I will go over there again and um, support her and Pat, her uh, significant other, who is also uh, a crazy motorcycle racer. Um, And yeah, like it's just something to behold and it's a piece of history. Even if they only did it every 10 years, I think it'd be really cool. Um, so yeah, that is some really exciting news that has been, uh, happening. Let's get in. Let's take a little break here. Go get a a drink of Wawa. I'm going to, I'm tired. I need another, it's like super early in the morning and I need to hit this coffee a little harder. So you get yourself some coffee. I'm going to get some coffee real quick and we'll be right back with more creative riding motorcycle podcast of all nations. Oh, Jesus, still recording? Oh, crap. To watch a motorcycle race. Bought a $13 beer and a $7 hot dog. And I stuffed them in my face. It was rotten and gross. Was it even meat? It smelled worse than old ladies' feet. Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt. Eaten a monkey's butt. Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt. Eaten a monkey's butt. Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt. Eaten a monkey's butt. Guess what? Fuck you, that's what. I'm Jessup Stevens, and I want you to buy my boots. Jessup Stevens boots. They're good for the heart, good for the soul, and good for your fucking feet. Go buy some Jessup Stevens today. Jessup Stevens, dum-dum. time with Wiggins. All right, we're good. All right. Okay. Well, let me lead it off by saying uh, welcome everybody to this week's Moto Scan huh? with our buddies. We have some friends on the line, Nokomoto, joining us this week for this week's Moto Scan. We're going to be doing a little bit of a, a children's roundtable on this one's, uh, this episode this week. This week's Moto Scan for anybody that doesn't know, which is everybody in this room, because I know Wiggins doesn't read the notes I send him, and you guys have no idea because I didn't invite send you the proper emails to the show. But this week is seats, so we're going to be talking about seats, motorcycle seats, all types of seats on this week's MotoScan. What do you guys think about that? You guys excited about seats? 
Yeah, super. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I needed to throw some crickets in there. Uh, so yeah, this. Well, week- I, I I didn't know what you were going to say, like what part we were talking about, and, and I I was kind of geared up. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about final drives. We're going to talk about brakes. No, nope, hey, listen, we're going to talk about seats, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the deal. This is the one piece we're doing on. If for anybody that's just tuning in, um, and actually who hasn't been listening for the past couple uh, episodes, we've been doing a moto scan where we're shooting our, a laser at a motorcycle, and we're just hitting it from the top down. We've hit the windshields, we've hit the fairings, we've pierced the um, the. Uh, uh, handlebars and triple clamps. We've gone through the fuel tanks, and now we're hitting the seats. We'll get to the headlights in a little bit because they can be all over on a motorcycle. Whoa, sorry, there's the, the Noko Moto Boys are falling down a cliff in the background there. Um, but yeah, we, you know, headlights are all over the place. So right, if we keep shooting through the fuel tank, we'll hit the seats. Well, maybe not on your bike because maybe your seat is flatter than. Um, a diving board. I was going to say something vulgar and foul, but I'll leave that out. But anyway, on a, on a bagger or like a touring bike, you will hit the passenger seat, the seat rest. So I wanted to bring up seats. It's one of the most important parts of a motorcycle, but it's one of the le- least and last um, customized. And I wanted to say, like, what's the first part on a bike that people change usually? It's usually the pipes and the air cleaner, right? But what's going to get you the most bang for the buck and comfort is like the seat. Like it's the actual thing that you interface besides the hand hand grips. It's the one part that you actually interface with most often. Um, I guess instead, you know, the hand grips and the pegs are such a small part of it. Your butt has to sit in the seat for like thousands and thousands of miles until you crash or get rid of your bike. So guys, do you guys have any particular seats that you like on motorcycles? Because I can tell you probably the the worst thing on most motorcycles is the stock seat, right? Well, it depends on the bike, obviously. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is that often often the, uh, the seat that is on well, let me say that again. You can edit that out. Um, <laughs> Using my own medicine against me. Often this, <laughs> often the seat that is uh, that sells well on the dealer room floor is usually a terrible seat if you're doing any kind of real miles. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, they're, especially they're... the uh, the 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 seat on the Ultra Classic. I'm sure feels really cushy if you sit on it for 30 seconds in the dealership. It is absolute garbage if you're doing more than 20 or 30 miles. Yeah. And then um, a seat that I really, really liked was the seats, the stock seat on the Buell Ulysses, Mm. which is a lot firmer and really holds up over a long time. Yeah. I I have to say, too, that um, one of the seats that I hate the most was the M109R because even though that bike is only like – that seat is probably 19 inches off the ground – I still couldn't flat fit the bike because the seat is like a saddle type seat and it's about um, 25 inches wide at the the back part. So my feet couldn't actually (laughs) touch the ground. So yeah, the M109R seat sucked and it actually felt like it was spreading my hips wider. I felt like a... uh, a 40 year old woman that had birthed 93 children in the space of like six months. Like my butt literally was just becoming six feet wider as I sat in that thing. But one of the most comfy seats I've ever sat on was the same style seat, but just smaller. It was the, um, the Indian scout 
or the scout 60, you know, it was a, I think it was the Indian scout that I rode. And I thought, man, I can see why people have the like feet forward saddle seats, um, you know, on these cruisers, but at the same time I could fall asleep in it, which was dangerous. But yeah, like you're saying, the stock seat is one thing that's not going to get you, I'm going to say like a thousand miles (laughs) on one. There's plenty of people that have stock seat for the lifetime of the bike, but they don't enjoy it. And I can tell you from, um, experience, Uh, The stock seat on the SCR, um, I heard Liza talking smack about it, but I'd sat on the bike before and I'd even like uh, got a chance to like sit on one for a long time, you know, at a show, we were talking about it and sitting on it and I sat on it for like 20 minutes, but you, it's like that 22 minute mark where things really start to churn and make you uh, wish that you were (laughs) at a BDSM club because that would make sense why it was hurting your butt so bad, uh, rather than trying to enjoy your motorbike. But yeah, it's, it, it makes a big difference. Seat width, seat height and all that great stuff is like some of the, the specs that they throw on motorcycles that people take for granted too. They're a little bit more important than, um, um, you know, just looking at it at face value because the width of your bike um, can mean the difference of like whether you can flat foot it or not. Wh- you know, like how how wide the seat actually is and, and how high it is kind of doesn't make um, a whole lot of difference. You know what I'm saying? Um, what do you guys think about? Oh, I beg to differ on that a lot. Okay, if well, you have a like Harley's, especially a lot of them have a low seat height off the showroom floor, but the seats are wide. You're kind of it's hard to flat foot because you're... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Oh, I thought you said it didn't make a difference. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. They say like 29-inch seat height, but it doesn't make a difference because the seat's so mm. wide, you mm-hmm, can't stick mm-hmm. your feet out. Well, and a V-twin <laughs> is nice because you can put your feet straight out, but do that like on a four-banger, and, and it looks funny with the little seat there. You know, yeah. you have to make it wide, and then you can't flat foot it. But, you know, like for you, you're, you have a Saddleman seat, and so... I do. Yeah. A lot of people go to Corbin. A lot of p- people go to Mustang and... Not Ferrado. What is that right? Not fast brakes. Um, there's another brand that I can't. Like Ferrado. Yeah. <laughs> that, there's another brand that I can't think of, but you know, a lot of people go to aftermarket right away. Like you know, well, not right away. That's what I'm saying. The seat's the last thing to get changed. But once they do, they're like, oh my god, I can't believe my I waited till my ass went flat to go ahead and change the seat out. You know, I think people don't think about it. Like you want to do all the cool stuff, yeah, right? And that's you don't, what I'm saying. you don't really look at the seat as being uncool. So you don't want to change it. And if you've never sat on a nice custom seat or a nice aftermarket seat, you don't really understand how bad yours is. You just think, <laughs> yeah, Oh, it's sure. a motorcycle seat. So it's uncomfortable because you're used to like sitting in a car seat. So you don't like, it doesn't register, you know? Right. And it's actually, one I of will the- offer uh, I will offer a counterpoint there, which is I think there's a lot of bikes you probably do want to change the seat on, but I wouldn't recommend doing it right away, mm. uh, especially if you're a newer rider or you're new to the style of bike. Because oh, yeah. I had a similar, I, I had an experience on the W650 where I got it and I love the bike, but as soon as I started riding it and doing some miles, I was thinking, oh, these handlebars vibrate a ton. I'm going to replace those or get some dampers for them, get some bar ends. And the seat's not too comfy. I'm going to switch that out. And Oh, maybe I can get some different uh, controls and all sorts of things. And then I didn't have time to do it. And then I took it on an iron butt. And then when I got back, I realized I didn't actually need to change anything. Although the seat is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moral of the story. What's your moral of the story? Don't change the seat. The moral of the story is um, it may not be that 
you actually need to change the seat or whatever other part to make it more comfortable. It may be that you're just not used to that style of riding. Yeah. I think you should definitely have uh, a good number of hours and a good number of miles under your belt before you decide to swap something out. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and, okay. and like I was saying, what Wiggs, you know, uh, basically Wiggins's point is like everybody wants to change the cool stuff first and the seat is not like a cool thing to change unless you're like changing the style of the bike and you're building a custom and you have to have that cafe racer hump or something like that. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the last, last thing people think of is swapping the seat. Okay, so you're talking about uh, changing seats from stock, but I just found gold here. Let's hear it. I have found a scientific paper um, which was paid for by Honda R&D. Oh, yeah. And a company in, with the, in, this, in this article, they <laughs> Honda invented a measurement called the PCI, which stands for Posterior <laughs> Characteristic Index, which was established to quantitatively evaluate the static seating comfort of motorcycle seats. The index expresses characteristics, characteristics such as the shape and size of the posterior, as well as the weight of the person. So the static seating comfort of motorcycle seats was analyzed using the PCI, uh, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, I have a whole scientific published peer reviewed paper here from Honda on seating comforts. Is there a motorcycle company or is there a, is there a company that will, you know, kind of like, um, with earbuds, you can go to an ENT and like have them cast the shape of your ears to like create the perfect like foam earbuds that match up with your ears. Is there a place you can go to just like sit in clay <laughs> and get like a perfect sculpting of your ass yeah. for a custom seat just for you? Well, you know, I was going to make this point when you said, you know, after doing an iron butt on your seat, I was going to make the joke that you're, butt is just shaped like your seat afterwards, which is why it doesn't matter. But now you're saying shape the seat to your butt. I think that's great. They make sex toys the same way. You know, somebody sits in some gel for a few hours, <laughs> you know, and voila, uh, you know, a couple hours later, you've got it. I think that they're maybe. So the infrastructure is already there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been there, you know, serving the adult toy industry well for decades. I think we just need to apply it to. Um, motorcycles actually sat, you know, wigs actually worked at Saddleman for a hot second. Don't they make gel seats there too? Yeah. They put a lot of gel in it, but the gel I think is more for vibration. Uh It's definitely like a soft top layer, but I think it's more vibration dampening. Did you after sit? Oh wait, hold on. This is a little bit disappointing. I have to create, I have to pay to see all of this paper, but there's pictures of butt imprints here and everything. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I want to know is this study. Are there any aftermarket features to add vibration? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, those see, that's, that's the thing. When you, when you take your bike and you start to change it from stock, you know, whether people start to mess with the suspensions or the exhaust and the intakes, all this stuff, that is where you start playing with what the designers have designed into it intentionally. And there's a certain hardness and uncomfortable uncomfortability that the designers have designed into these bikes because they want to keep the aftermarket alive and they want to sell you OEM accessories as well. So they make these seats not so good, you know what I'm saying? It's 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 the biggest interface. You know, everybody says the contact patch with you and your bike is like the size of a credit card on the road, but the size of you on your bike is your butt. <laughs> 
you're and the bigger the ass, the bigger the uh, the the interface, right? And so, yeah, I'm just saying seats are pretty important. And people don't realize it. Uh, the, to move on from the, this butt research paper, I really do want to delve into this much deeper, and I'm glad somebody has some scientific data on it because I'd love to research uh, the butt crack uh, factor on your seat. But I was going to also mention that seats come in all f- shapes and sizes and forms. We've got the double deckers that you find on like touring bikes. You know, most of them, mostly Goldwings and Harley Davidson baggers uh, and Indians. And I believe those are called king and queens. Well, king and queens is actually. Well, yeah, you're you're not wrong. The king is lower, and the queen steps up above it, right? And you're you're right about that. Even old vintage like sport bikes had those, but I'm talking about the tour pack ones where you lean back and the passenger actually has armrests and shit like that, like the BMW K1600 and the Harley baggers. Like they make some legit seats. Harleys I know have speakers and they're heated and like next gen stuff. And I'm I'm sure that like in a hundred years they're gonna have like. I'm surprised they don't have ejector seats. I'm, I'm somebody had to have built an ejector seat. So when you get like some cranky old lady on on the back of your hog and she's giving you lip in the headset, you just eject her out of there. I'm sure somebody's had to admit that at some point. But the thing is, is that seats are are your your major interface, and as such, they started making them you know a comfort luxury item as well. So there's a huge aftermarket. I guess what I'm a roundabout story. What I'm trying to get to is that there's a huge aftermarket. And customization um, options for seats, too. People think that they're like the most pedestrian. Uh, you know, who thinks about the spokes and the seats, the two S's that get overlooked, you know, m- most on a motorcycle, especially if you have cast wheels. <laughs> you don't even have spokes. But they're like the most important things, you know what I'm saying? I was just, I thought it was interesting to look at seats for this week's uh, moto scan. Um, and speaking of which, does anybody have a bike without a seat on it right now? No. All right. I I have I have one. Yeah, I do too. It's Brad Viffer's uh, <laughs> VFR doesn't have the seat. I try to mess with the the bodywork. So, though. sadly, I still, after creating an account, cannot get access to this paper, which is amazing because the part one of the conclusion is called an index of the characteristics of the human posterior. Yeah. <laughs> but I did find a really cool article here on motorcycle seats talking about the foam used in them. And so apparently seats generally come down to two types, open cell foam and closed cell foam. Do you know the difference? The cells are different. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I'm going to guess. It'll make them, like the open cell, I think they kind of compress more because the air can move through them, where on the closed cell, when you sit on it, you basically compress the air in the little cells, right? This is correct. So as its name implied, open cell foam is made of a framework of tiny broken cells. So this allows air to freely enter into the cells, providing a soft cushioning effect. And uh, it says uh, they recommend generally it falls into a density of two pounds with a 40 pounds indentation load deflection rating. Dude, this is getting too hard. Whatever to that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think I'm going to give Wiggins um, some accolades real quick. 
There you go, Wiggs, for uh, for knowing that weird shit off the top of your head. Um, yeah. That was kind of self-explanatory, actually. I, I really <laughs> just kind of guessed. Right. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, yeah, no. And I'm sure, uh, Peter, you know, this is pretty much going to wrap it up for the uh, the seats conversation that we we're going to have on tonight's show. But I'm sure, Peter, you and I can get together later and go over some of this data. We'll log in. We'll create accounts. We'll pay for it. And we'll get on a deep philosophical uh, thread here about seats and what they what mean. What does to your us. ass mean? Yeah. As One long- thing I will say is every seat that I have liked has been a closed cell phone. Right. I, I actually, before we finish this, I want to talk about a couple seat things, namely yeah. seat repairs. Okay. So it's not the greatest thing in the world, but we have found that silicone caulking is a pretty good seat repair. When you get one of those long cracks in your seat, have you ever used? Well, sh- no. Like if you if you're like redoing a seat that you know from an old like bike barn sort of find, and like mice have eaten at it and stuff. Oh, gotcha. You can inject in silicone caulking into the seat and then sort of like remold it exactly to the shape. You can kind of scrape it while it's still wet or shave it down a little bit after it's dried. Yeah. And it worked. It's a pretty good, it's, it's not perfect. You'll feel the difference a little bit, but if it's, you know, not a bike you're going very far on, it'll get it done. So you don't have to get a whole new like foam piece for the seat. You can use the original seat pan. And then we have had really good luck recovering seats by going to Goodwill and buying leather jackets. <laughs> nice. I wouldn't have thought of that. I used to go to the uh, upholstery shop and just ask for like some leftovers and they're usually like willing to give it to you for like two bucks. Um, I've done that as well. You know what? There's two. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say Wiggins Shugu is just on this side of the spectrum of rubber cement and somewhere around this, and maybe it has silicone in it. It probably does. Yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah, that or silicone. Well, again, you know, it works for the sex toy industry. There's no reason why it wouldn't feel good on your butt for a few thousand miles. I have two other tips as well. One is if you've got an old seat and you don't want to like browse to try and find a replacement one because like the stitchings come off or the vinyl's all screwed up, uh, there are uh, sellers on eBay who will custom make a new vinyl uh, seat cover for you. Right. And then if you just own a powerful staple gun, you can do it yourself to just recover the seat. You can also... And the second one... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you can also check. I know Saddleman does just covers for some seats too, so they won't do the whole pan. Uh, and then they won't do the mm-hmm. foam, but they'll do a cover they for a factory seat. They probably have patterns from decades. Oh, ago, dude, right? you yeah. should see the place. I mean, there are shelves and shelves and shelves of pattern molds for yeah. seat pans and uh, the foam. Yeah, I'm sure if you got, go to Corbin yeah. or Mustang or somebody that's been around for as long as like all these, there's a handful of seat companies yeah. that are still around, and I'm sure they've just had. <laughs> bikes that aren't even made anymore. You and know? Saddleman is a closed foam, by the way. Also, they because uh, they they mold them. They make a mold, so they they'll do a custom pan, and then they'll pop a mold off of that, and then they'll hand shape the foam. You know, sit on it, check the visuals, keep doing that over and over and over and over until it's right, and then they'll pop a mold off that foam, and then it's like this liquid. They got these 
big ass, like two part epoxy foam things and it mixes it through a nozzle and it goes through about a one inch hole in the mold and just fills up the mold. Um, so yeah, that's how they do, uh, their foam and make it like pre-shaped. Yeah. You know, another thing too, this actually works. If you are reshaping an old bike, I had a couple old bikes that I restored, recovered the seats. And before that I was like, they had King and Queens. I didn't want like the crazy like humps and bobs and like, you know, basically like spoilers that they had. I actually got out a die grinder and like a sanding wheel and I cut it with a knife first to get it down to where I wanted like a serrated blade or like a turkey knife even will work, like one of those electric carving turkey knives. And then you get out your, um, like a flap disc on like a sander and it'll actually work. It'll take a little bit off at a time. It's not going to rip a huge chunk out. So it's kind of nice that you can slowly shape it to make sure it's symmetrical because it takes a lot to get your seat to look <laughs> not lump, not like a, you know, you don't want to cover it and then have it look like a shiny sack of marbles or something. You just, you want it to be nice and, and even, but yeah, like that's one way to do it is with the actual, just like a sand, like a, um, that's, like a wheel, like a grinding wheel with the <laughs> yeah, flat disc on it. Actually, also how Saddleman did it. They had these oh, like okay. knives that came off uh, like one of the fabric cutters. So it was like this super thin blade and they would sharpen them on a bench grinder and it kind of left this nasty burr, but it would cut so well yeah, with yeah. that burr. And then, yeah, um, to rough it, they used little air die grinders. Mm-hmm. And it would yeah. just go everywhere. And it was yeah, a huge if you got mess, a, but. a DA or even one of the angle grinders that plugs into something, just throw a flap disc wheel on there, and yeah, mm-hmm. Bob's your uncle. You guys, you guys don't. Bob. Yeah, you guys done with seats? Are we done? I got one last thing to say about seats. Yeah, let's hear it. For the love of God, please, please do not. No matter how good you think it might look, no matter how much you think it might help restore it or keep it lasting longer, do not armor all your fucking seats. <laughs> nope. Not unless you want to fly off at every stop sign. I made that mistake nuts. once, and I rode uh, I rode my little cousin's bike one time. Uh, as soon as I got back, I go, so you armor all the seat recently, huh? And he's like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, because I almost fell off the fucking yeah. thing. You hit, you fall off when you take off, and you hit your nuts on the tank when you yeah, stop. Don't armor all seats. <laughs> yeah, well, I good. know one person that knows how bad it is and still does it because they love how it looks. Well, you got to tell your brother. And they does crash this bike. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Well, yeah, it's bad enough. Yeah, that's, to be, that's it for me in seats. Yeah, it's bad enough to not be able to get the um, tank when you're sliding around. A, a racing secret. When I was a kid, my dad had a, a CBX drag bike. <laughs> And he had a 90-degree aluminum seat pan. <laughs> there was no padding, no anything. And I remember asking him why. And he's like, because this bike launches hard. And if you have foam, you squish the foam down and you hit your ass on the seat pan anyway. So he's like, I just took that out of the equation. He's like, I only ride it for, you know, four seconds or five seconds or whatever the fuck it would do an eighth mile in. So, because, <laughs> I mean, this thing was like slammed with a slick on it and... It was a pure drag bike, and he, I remember he made. Uh, I think he cut the backbone out or something, or maybe he just put a like fuel tank. But it was like a piece of like, you know, inch and a half tubing welded up with a, a, a cap, and then he had a fiberglass cover that he popped off one of the stock tanks, and then same with the tail, and then the uh, the seat was uh, just straight yeah. fucking aluminum pan. That uh, that padding was a false sense of security between your ass and the tailbone. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, if it's not doing you any good, 
you know, it, it, why it, yeah. you don't need comfort on something like that. It, there's no, it doesn't last long enough. Right. You know, you know when a good drag bike is when they have a 90 degree seat pan and your dad starts racing at, you know, five, eight and he quits racing at five, five, you know, that bike's got a little <laughs> bit of lunch. <laughs> Yeah, baby. I can do it on the fly. What do you know? I learned a new thing about my editing software tonight, which uh, means it's the greatest... Uh, God, I'm doing it wrong. No, I'm doing it right. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for sticking around for that moto scam. We had a little help there. If you didn't hear it... Turn you down a little bit, you idiotic thing. It's hard being a production assistant slash producer and host at the same time, I gotta tell you. I think that music was louder than my voice just now. But anyway, yeah, I gotta tell you, it was fun having uh, the Nokomoto boys on uh, this week's show to help us out with the Moto Scan. And in return, we shall be on their show on Monday to help out with their everything, you little turkey turds. Uh, and by the way, I did want to say, speaking of turkey turds, um, Wiggins! Thanks, Wiggins, for showing up on this week's show. Wiggs, what do you have to say for yourself? I was once called the pride of Indiana too, but <laughs> yeah. that's not saying a lot. I mean, it's yeah. Indiana. All right. Speaking of the pride of Indiana, uh, I did want to say that, um, yeah, thanks Wiggs for putting out a, a pretty funny Wiggins Wednesday. I was going to edit a bunch of it in here because it sounded like you were on drugs after you talked about how you couldn't afford drugs. We can't afford to have any more Moto One podcast people going down for drugs. Uh, although this is pretty much about motorcycling, we can't have no Sons of Anarchy stuff uh, going on up in here. Uh, I just lost a bit of recording um, by pushing the wrong button, so I'm going to re-record this and hope you don't hear it twice in this episode. Um, I wanted to remind everyone, if you uh, want to be a, patri- a patron subscriber, supporter on Patreon.com, that came out real easy, didn't it? Um, no editing here, folks. All the magic's done right in my mouth box and it comes out into your ear boxes and guess what i'm stupid um so yeah if you want to join us on patreon go to patreon.com forward slash creative writing um and we did have a little patreon um only uh santa claus uh, giveaway what's the santa claus guy's name i forget his name i think his name is chris kringle um we did like a little secret santa a se- uh crazy chris kringle i don't know what we did but if you did not get a gift let me know I would love to send you some. Also, did I see? I already recorded this, and I don't know what happened to the audio. So I hope you don't hear this story again. But Jim Handybone, our old uh, faithful mail guy, turns out he wasn't so faithful. He was hiding uh, some stuff, hiding mail in a storage container in his backyard because he had uh, anxiety about delivering it to the wrong people. So, if you didn't get your secret Santa present, let me know. I have a feeling there's one person, and it was Wiggins' Secret Santa, and Wiggs will get around to it when he gets around to it, which is next Christmas, and that ain't cool. So if if you're the person uh, that I think you are, and you haven't still haven't gotten something, uh, hit us up on the Patreon uh, Messenger and let me know, and I will get something out to you. Plus, all you patrons have some stickers and a couple little sketchies coming out to you. Uh, via the old Jim Handybone Express, which is now going to be covered by yours truly, since Jim apparently he moved uh, out of the country and left a whole bunch of mail behind. I'm actually uh, I found 
all sorts of great stuff in there. Maybe I'll send you a piece of weird, wacky mail that was sp- supposed to go out from another podcast. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we'll be sending patrons some stuff. We do have our annual uh, Solstice Slam coming up here in a little bit. Um, and if you are a patron, you get to have a, uh, you get an enter a story if you're awesome. But even if you're not awesome, you just get entered into it because you're a patron. And um, so, yeah chance to win glorious prizes usually not that glorious but prizes nonetheless and um also uh our patrons we're having a bi-monthly art um i don't know what we're gonna call it yet but it's like a (laughs) an art submission where uh every two months we're going to we're gonna do a call to action hey patrons uh scribble something down take a cool photo draw a meme do whatever you're gonna do just make something funny and uh, throw it up in our patron or email it to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're going to pick at the end of every two months, like whatever one we think is the funniest or the best or the most creative. We might stick it on a shirt. We might make a sticker. We might stick it on a mug. We might put it in a calendar. Whatever we're going to do, we'll give it back to you. That's for sure. And uh, get it back to you somehow. And right now, Paul is the only one that has submitted for January, but this uh, competition doesn't end until the end of February. So you have like uh, 28 days. They always give February the uh, the short end of the stick, don't they? Um, so you got about 28, 29 days, something like that. I don't know if this is a leap year or not. But um, yeah, it's a bit of funny piece of art. Ship it to us and uh, we'll make something out of it for you if it wins. And uh, what else? There's one more thing I wanted to ad and and it got erased um oh sad news really sad news and this is kind of like a an indicator of the i hope not an indicator of the the market in any way um but it does kind of segue into what i want to talk about uh a little bit after we get into some of the stuff with nokomoto and that is the um power sports shop down the street from me closed uh just suddenly and i don't know what the hell's going on and i don't know if you had a bike that you were buying through them if you even owe them money somebody put that on the i think it was their facebook page or something like that like haha is that is this could this be true i guess it could you know if they go belly up and don't tell you uh i don't know who you pay (laughs) who you pay the money to now um but yeah it's kind of sad that uh a local shop went belly up hmm I am sorry, man. It's early in the morning and uh, I am super tired. I'm going to go ahead and pour this whole cup of coffee just onto my face. I heard that works faster than like trying to sip it and wait for the caffeine to get into your bloodstream and all that. So I'm going to do that right now. Uh, And in the meantime, we're going to get into some more, a little bit more chit chat with the Nokomoto boys before we head into the the rest of the creative creative writing podcast. And I'm going to try and wake up by pouring this coffee on my head and... You go out and support your local power sports shop before yours goes out of business. You know what I'm saying? All right. With that, let's take a quickie break righty now. Fifty miles. 
out the ass of a 50cc Zuma scooter. They build their own stuff, but they can't figure out the chat links on a goddamn computer. missing from that song is a bunch of those opes whoop whoop i made that song for the uh, wir top 10 bikes uh back in the day they were legitimately racing for doritos and it was a no prep street rags grudge races something like that i uh, or maybe all of the above and they were doing it for the funds once the monies got involved boy people started getting killed it is close enough to chicago that uh, bodies were not being found or found in railway yards and stockyards and it was like the concrete jungle and you know it turned into a, like a life a real life sons of anarchy <laughs> i think in, even our our buddy narissa went down there and uh almost got killed um but <laughs> By the Wisconsin and uh, Chicago gangs, gang warfare that went down on the track down there all over, um, wherever that town's called. I wanted to call it Kesha. <laughs> Just kidding, Chris. Um, but yeah, uh, so the deal is I'm not going to bump back into the Nokomoto ramblings that we did. I'm going to, you, you guys go listen to their show Monday. I'm going to let them, I'm going to save all this for them. Not going to spoil any of it for you, but what I am going to say is that I am super excited. I've got some signage coming up around the studio, starting to look a little bit better. I've been trying to do some weekly improvements. I have um, 
I haven't ridden all week, even though the weather has been awesome. I've been uh, busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, and so therefore I haven't got to get out on a bike. And usually it's like, oh, I'll, I'll just I'll run down to the post office. I will go get a fu- one stinking banana from the store if I have to, if that's what it takes. But I just haven't had it in me this week at all, man. There's this this whole last couple weeks. This month, man, kind of fell apart. So I've seen a bunch of memes about how 2020 has been terrible so far. Now, I wouldn't say that, but this last week definitely was taxing. So anyway, I'm excited to get out this next week and start doing stuff. Uh... Definitely, I uh, want to definitely want hard way to start a sentence. Um, want to get out this or in the next few weeks and get some projects buttoned up that I have been working on. I went out and got some metal supplies, some paint supplies. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pipes. Um, I can't wait. I haven't welded in a hot second, um, and so or shaped metal for that matter, or bent some pipe. So I'm going to throw some pipe, uh, shape some metal, and get some cool stuff that I've been uh, wanting to work on now um, out of the way now that things are kind of settled down. Sorry, I'm moving around the microphone here. Um, yeah, now that things are kind of settled down for, um, you know, a, a kind of in order, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, this month has been taxing, though. I've seen a, a bunch of memes, um, like I said, uh, you know, I just took Wiggins for uh, an errand last night, so I'm getting re- editing on this thing late. We were with the Mo- Nokomoto boys um, earlier in the week, and we have about like three hours of audio to go through. They have all weekend to do it, but uh, thus I'm not going to put it in my show here. I'm going to save it for next week. We got some timeless episode uh, content coming up, so I'm not going to worry about it uh, in this week's episode because you don't need to worry about it. Um, I did at the top of the show. I mentioned a couple things. I mentioned I mentioned Pinterest and I mentioned um, my kid turning ten, which means uh, I was going to say Pinterest. A lot of people are getting off. Uh, they made like weird New Year's resolutions to get off. Uh, social media, especially Instagram. A lot of people don't like the way the gram functions. Uh, it is powered by Facebook. Everybody is, uh, even though Facebook profits are up through their crazy advertising, and I don't know how Facebook is actually working now. I'm kind of really tuned out of all that junk. But great platform for social media and to interact with people and to be able to post a lot of stuff. Um, they also own Instagram. And therefore, I feel like this weird data issue has been coming up where a lot of people don't like the way things have been uh, fed to them and shared. A lot of people go into other social media stuff and getting back on weird like Pinterest, your mom or your weird aunt might use Pinterest. If you're over 35 or under 35, you probably don't even know what Pinterest is and that's fine. Um, but it is like just a picture board basically. And uh, oddly enough, a lot of people going back to Pinterest, I feel, this is my opinion only, I guess, uh, that Instagram was a real big hit in like a few select countries. A lot of the world still uses Twitter for stuff. I still use Twitter. Um, uh, most professional people use Twitter. Um, and Instagram was a way to, for you to look at uh, cool pictures and get a little bit of text, but you can't do hyperlinks. You can't really do like, uh, not that you would be posting articles there, but you, you know, the, the more you post, the less people read. It's fun for memes and stuff like that. So a lot of people are actually going back to Pinterest for interesting um, stuff without all the con, you know, without all the comments and stuff like that. And all the wars that started, you know, Twitter wars was a fun thing I used to listen to on uh, the main event moto show. They used to like get into everybody, all the uh, motocrossers would have like battles on Twitter, you know. (laughs) And then I feel like that happened on Instagram. And now Instagram's like the one place that's great to troll people, right? Besides Reddit. Um, But you can't really 
post anything there, like hyperlinks or not, like I said, anything like that. And so people are like, you know what? I'm getting away from all this crap. I'm just going to go back to Pinterest. So uh, I think people are rediscovering your grandma's uh, picture boards on, on Pinterest. So there there is a lot of cool stuff there. It's also a place just to share photos. It's kind of like what Instagram used to be. Um, so yeah, people are getting back on there and the, uh, the 10 years, my daughter turning 10 thing means that it's been 10 years since I got hit on my motorcycle. My very first accident ever, my only accident really ever. Um, I got this guy ran a stop sign and I made the assumption he didn't run it. He didn't see me coming down the street and I didn't have, I had no stop sign and he's sitting at one and he sees, uh, traffic, um, coming way far away. And he's like, Oh, I got a gas head across this intersection before that traffic gets here. And for some reason I blended in with the surroundings wearing my all black, um, and my, my big white helmet. No, no, I had a black helmet. That's right. I was in all black. And I guess I just kind of blended into the uh, surroundings and uh, so, yeah, it's been 10 years since that happened. Luckily, you know, fortunately, I'm fine. Uh, it, I was on Spamless, so Spamless fine. Had I been on a bigger bike, I think I would have got smashed harder because the bike wouldn't have given. Luckily, Spamla only weighs all but 22 pounds with all of her titanium and carbon fiber parts. And so she gently floated away and drifted back down like a leaf onto the sidewalk. And I did a Duke Boys across the dude's hood and smacked my melon on the ground. Luckily, was not concussed. I had a showy helmet at the time. Um, it's a fabulous helmet. I have recently seen a bunch of helmet stuff. Come on. And I talked about Vissus helmets, which were making, uh, youth sports like, um, football helmets. Uh, I talked about that in one of the very first episodes and I was wondering this crazy new technology that they had, would it be making its way to motorcycling? And it turns out that, um, yeah, it has, there's a lot of new developments in motorcycle helmet technology and uh, you should go check it out. Like uh, mostly, mostly dirt bikes, because you know on street bikes the helmets aren't made to take multiple impacts. But dirt bikes, they are, and you're expected to fall in any manner of way on a dirt bike. So they have these cool inner—I forget what it's called. It's like AIS, and and it kind of like deflects the force rather than just transmitting it more softly into your head. They got these crazy new compounds that helmets are made out of that kind of like let the helmet twist and roll around on your head to keep the force from actually transferring to your head. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say this is a good time of year for a lot of people, not in, not in California or most of the Southwest, to go invest in some new gear and a new helmet. been getting a lot of uh, coupon deals from Cycle Gear, and it's not coupon, okay? It's coup, C-O-U-P. If you overthrow the government, it's not a coup, okay? It's coup. Okay. So it's coupon. The word's coupon. Got it. Um, but yeah, I've been getting a lot of, uh, like weekly emails from cycle gear talking about all the, all the deals they have. Um, and if you don't like their cheesy brands, you know, if you think they're cheesy and not up to snuff, you, your head's worth more than $300 or whatever that saying is, uh, go out and buy like a $1,200 showy or check out the snow foundation actually too. You can go online there and, uh, for autocrossing when I used to, and when I used to race cars, you used to have to have a snow certified helmet and actually like crazy, there's crazy levels of snow certification. You had to have like a special application one that could take like multiple hits just in case your car rolls over and you start bouncing off the roll bar or whatever. Um, so yeah, they certify everything from road helmets to like full on race helmets that have to be like fireproof and all this crazy stuff. So go over there, check out the snow foundation's website. If you want to get like a super safe helmet that you, uh, has been rated other than by the DOT. Um, on 
uh, in, in this same vein, um, on the uh, Nokomoto show, we're going to be talking about moto fraud. And we didn't really cover helmet fraud, but a few years ago, um, there was a shipping container found in the LA ports. And I think they did a crackdown in the LA ports um, of these shipping containers coming in from overseas. Most helmets, I don't care who the brand is, most helmets are made uh, in an Asian country. Um, and it could be any one of the, uh, you know, not always China, but a lot, lot China. Um, but yeah, lots of um, helmets are made overseas. A couple made in like, you know, Simpsons are the only ones made here in the United States, as far as I know. Um, I don't know where bells are made. And uh, <laughs> bells are made in a metal factory because they, they're metal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I think like roof or something like that is from Germany. There's probably some Italy, uh, Italian helmets out there and, and, and some other stuff. But for the most part, it doesn't mean that they're any safer than the ones made in uh, any other country. So you go check out the Snow Foundation. They'll tell you uh, which ones are the safest based on testing, not uh, location of manufacturer. So right now is a good time to go out and do that. And it means it's also been about... I guess five years since I owned my own V4. I know we have Bry Viffer's V4 in the garage in here, and we're pimping that thing out. Um, I'm putting it, the whole bike is going to be chrome. I'm dipping all the plastics and everything in chrome. I'm just going to dip the whole bike in chrome, actually. The tires are going to be chrome. Everything's going to be chrome. It's going to be awesome when I give it back to him. But uh, I, since I've had my own V4, I had a Magna V65. It was 11, I think it was a little over 1,100 cc's, if I can remember right. Maybe it was just under. I can't remember the specs exactly, but, uh, yeah, it's also been, um, a long time since I had a sweet V4 and it's just getting me pumped up to do some more of the projects. The aforementioned metal shaping, pipe slinging, and, um, getting bikes together that I was talking about earlier and the super 73 stuff we're going to cover next week. I really want to talk about that. And it's not, um, time sensitive. We're going to give people, uh, the more, actually the more time people have to go look at these bikes and see, uh, the new lineup, uh, the better, but we had a super fun time down there at the super 73 launch, um, this last Saturday. And, uh, yeah, the, that stuff is so cool. And it, fa- it, it segues right into the electric bike movement and the urban riding predictions that Jay made for 2020. She thought urban riding would be the, uh, the next phase of, of, what's going to be hot. And I don't think she's wrong on that. Um, and I don't think that, uh, motorcycles, especially, uh, gas powered motorcycles that are really loud and heavy are going to be the way to do it. I think it might be smaller, uh, electric motorcycles and, um, electric crossover motorcycles, which I'm going to call e-bikes, which includes stuff like the super 73 and some of the stuff like that. So yeah, we'll talk about that on next week's show. And with that, uh, I just wanted to say, um, we are trying to get Jay back. She was, uh, we, we haven't really talked about it very much, but she was, uh, abducted by a Sasquatch cult and we're doing our best. She's she's safe. I, I want to tell you that she's safe, but she is in deep shit. And there's uh, all sorts of like weird ransoms and crazy religious things going on. Uh, could be some uh, truffle and mushroom snorting pigs involved with this. And uh, 
you know, Jay could be the, the fulcrum or the leverage that this uh, particular cult is trying to use against the Creative Writing Podcast uh, to get her back in order to fund their crazy like world vision and hunt and, and continuing hunt for Sasquatch. So we'll keep you posted on that, but she is not back. She probably won't be back for a long time because these people are elusive and we haven't been able to track them down. I actually went looking for her last Sunday and I swear to God, I got her on a two-way radio for a little bit when I was out in the wilderness. Uh, barely got to talk to her. I can uh, give you information where I think you may be able to contact her. Maybe we can leave a, a mail some stuff to a P.O. box and maybe they pick it up there. I could kind of try to tail one of the members of the cult, but we... I just not sure of it. I more details to come. I mean, that's like a vague uh, ten thousand foot view of it. But um, we're trying to get Jay back, so um, we'll let you know how that's going. And in the meantime, you're gonna have to stick with me and Wiggins and uh, go check out our buddies Nokomoto on the Moto One Podcast Network Monday. Um, and in the meantime, get out there and uh, support somebody on two wheels, whether it's even a wheelbarrow, crack a skateboard in half, and, and get on. I don't care. Two wheels rules, man. Forever two wheels. Get out there and ride your two wheels into the heels and with that see you later